You're listening to the VJ Books Podcast, produced by vjbooks.com, the premier seller of signed books. In every episode, we chat with an author, discuss an upcoming book, or give you tips on how to start your book collection. Make sure to follow this podcast on your platform of choice to get the latest updates, and subscribe to us on anchor.fm for ad-free episodes. For just a dollar a month, you can get exclusive ad-free episodes, plus a monthly discount code usable on anything in our store. Enjoy the episode. We have a longtime friend by the name of Russell Elg. Russ is a bit of a book groupie, frequently recommends books to us. Well, back in 2005, he called me all excited about an author he had just discovered. I picked up the author's first two books and threw them into my carry-on for a flight to the East Coast. By the time my plane had landed, I had read Desert Places, and later that night I had finished Locked Doors. That author is Blake Crouch, and I have been an avid fan ever since. Blake followed those first two books with a couple more before setting off on a self-publishing adventure. In 2011, he released Run, a standalone thriller that remains one of my favorites. Don't miss that one. In the following year, he released Pines, the first book in a three-book series that was the basis of the hit Fox TV series, Wayward Pines. In 2016, Blake both wrote and was the executive producer of Good Behavior, a TNT series based on his Letty Dobesh character. In 2016, Blake returned to the mainstream publishing with his bestseller, Dark Matter, which was published by Crown after a heated bidding war. That was followed by Recursion in 2019. His next book, Upgrade, comes out this summer. Please join me in welcoming Blake Crouch. Hello, Blake. Hey, John. Great to chat with you again. It's been a while. A long time. So um, we usually start with a little bit of background. Um, is that all right of with course. you? So... Uh, when did you uh, know you were going to be a writer? Um, I mean, it goes back to when I was a kid. Um, I had a younger brother and would love to tell him bedtime stories that kind of get him scared and afraid and they would become more and more involved. And eventually I started writing them down uh, when I was probably, I don't know, late elementary school. And that just sort of took off from there, and I, it was something I always loved and always wanted to do. I, I, just the storytelling interaction between the writer and, or the storyteller and the audience was something that always really just made me happy. Is there anybody in particular you read? <clears throat> uh, throughout my, I mean, yeah. Um, back then, Tolkien, C.S. Lewis, Madeline Lingle. As I got a little bit older, I discovered... Uh, Michael Crichton and Thomas Harris and Pat Conroy. Um, those were the sort of the big pillars of my inspiration growing up and, and kind of in those formative years. I mean, now I, you know, read everyone now. <clears throat> so who do you think was your biggest influence? Ah, oh, boy, that's a hard one. Um, huh. The biggest influence on me, probably Pat Conroy. Because I just read him. Really? Yeah, well, not necessarily in terms of the way I write, because he's, he, you know, when Pat wrote so, uh, he was so verbose. And I mean, his books were, you know, 
700 pages and, and minor are lean and mean, but just in terms of the way he wrote characters and the way he especially wrote some of those action scenes, especially like I think of from the Prince of Tides, it just made a, a big impact on me and ma it made me want to really give it a go at writing novels. Well, you mentioned uh, Prince of Tides. That's a book that Virginia and I read way mm. back when. And uh, big, big book. Big yes, book. yes. <laughs> so, you know, I think I'd like to talk first about Dark Matter. Okay. You know, um, can you give us a little bit of the genesis of that story? Yeah. Um, so I had, this would have been probably about 2014, early 2014. Uh, I had finished... I had delivered my last book in the Wayward Pines trilogy, and I, and it was the end of that. It was the end of that uh, road with with Wayward Pines. I'd been you know working on that on and off since probably 2010. So I mean, it's spent a good four or five years with it, and I knew I was going to try to figure out the next thing. Um, and it was the first time I had felt like, like pressure to follow up a success. Like usually, as writers, you're just um, <laughs> you're just following up one failure after another. That was the least of how my career started. And it was a really interesting thing to to follow up something that I was proud of and that a lot of people had read. I mean, I hadn't read the last book in the trilogy yet, but like the first two were out. They'd been very well received and the Fox show was coming. And I wanted to, I wanted to top myself and come up with something else that was even bigger. And I've been interested in quantum mechanics, even though I took no science classes in school at university. And so that was on my mind. Um, and I was also just, I think, go like leading up, I wasn't there yet, but was starting to go through sort of a, a bit of a early midlife crisis, just looking back at all the different paths I'd taken to get where I was and, and, and starting to question them. And I was in Chicago um, on a little retreat with uh, my Good friend Marcus Seiki. you know you know Marcus's work. Yes, absolutely. And um, when we get together occasionally, when we're about to start a new project, and we were both trying to figure out what our next books were going to be, and was in hanging out in Chicago for a couple of days, and we we're in this restaurant called Longman and Eagle, sitting at the bar one afternoon in Logan Square, and just the the whole idea of this box that you could step into and that it could take you to an alternate version of your life just kind of came out of the fog and not just the concept, but I started to really see the characters and that's pretty rare for me when I'm, when I'm trying to, you know, find my way into a book. Usually I'm stuck with the concept and journaling about that for months before I find the characters. And this all sort of just came out of the, almost out of the fog and in one fell swoop. I mean, there's obviously tons of work yet to be done, but, um, I, I knew immediately it was something special, uh, and that it was going to be the next thing I wrote. How did you shop the idea? What do you mean? To the publishers. Well, I I didn't have a new book contract. I, at that time, I was publishing with Thomas and Mercer, which was the uh, thriller imprint of Amazon. And they were doing a great job with, uh, <clears throat> with Weird Pines. Um, but I, so I, I didn't shop the idea yet. I just started writing. And I wrote from... June of 2014 to about October of 2014, I, I wrote the, I kind of figured out the broad strokes of the story and I wrote the first 140 pages 
of the book. Um, and at the time, my agent felt like we should just actually take those pages out and try to sell those pages. Um, and to make a very long, boring story short, uh, Thomas and Mercer was slow out of the gate, um, reading the pages and making an offer. And my option, you know, and they get they got an option period. They had like a thirty day option period, you know, which essentially is like free time to decide if you want to publish this. And they sort of, I think they were a little complacent and let that time slip by. Um, and when it went by after thirty days. I said, I want to take these pages out to New York. And I, it was already in the back of my mind at this point in time because, I, you know, Thomas and Mercer had done an amazing job with my Weird Pine series. But there's a ceiling when you publish with Amazon because you're only on that one platform. You can't really get in a big way into indie stores and chains. You can get into a few of them, but not in the way I want it to be. I, I really wanted to level up between Weird Pines and Dark Matter. I knew I, knew I had something special. Um, and so we took those pages to New York and a lot of people got really excited about it and, and landed with, uh, my editor who I'm still with, uh, Julian Pavia, who publishes not a lot of writers. He publishes me, Andy Weir, Ernie Klein, publishes Rob Hart. Um, and I, and he, he was kind of basically, I, I knew if I was going to leave Amazon, he was going to be at the top of my list because I really admired the books he published. He was publishing sci-fi in, in a very big way. Um, and that was exciting to me. So they kind of op- welcomed you back with <laughs> open arms. They did. Boy, I left uh, unceremoniously and uh, I thought my career was pretty much toast. Uh, but again, I started out with St. Martin's Press. Um you know, I, I, my first few books were, you know, thrown at the wall to see what stuck. Um, and they stuck, but they kind of just slid down the wall slowly and then fell off. So, uh, I, you know, but uh, between leaving St. Martin's Press and going back to Penguin Random House, you know, I had a fling with independent publishing, which, you know, gave me an immense amount of freedom and went over with Amazon Publishing. And, and working with them, especially in the beginning, was pretty exhilarating. Because they were, uh, they had like that startup energy, and they were very well funded, and they weren't afraid to take big chances and to, and to really think outside the box. And that that was exciting to me. But I, by the end of Weird Pines, I could see that that early period of innovation, um, and frankly, the money they had to innovate uh, was going away. Well, it seemed like there was that period um, when you were self-publishing and you worked with Joe Conrath and others, and that was a really exciting time uh, with people self-publishing and New York kind of stepping back and letting this talent develop. Mm -hmm. It was a really exciting time. Um, You know, out of that, you know, I got the rights back to Desert Places and Locked Doors and republished them and continued those stories on on KDP. I, you know, during this period of time, I published the only new work I've ever released, so, uh, you know, independently, which was run. Um, it was a, I it was loved a, it. <laughs> oh, thank you. It was a great, it was a really great, it was a really fun, exciting, exciting time. But, and for a second, I kind of thought that like, you know, there was this in the air, like is traditional publishing going away? Um, and I, and I, didn't, I never really bought into that. I, I didn't think that it was actually going to die out. Um, I just started seeing pretty quickly that this was an unsustainable, like I was in a bubble moment of indie publishing and that was going to go away. 
Uh, and, and I didn't want to spend all my time having to figure out how to market myself on a constantly changing platform. I, I wanted to, and I didn't want to have to feed the beast at the rate that you have to feed, um, you know, if you're publishing independently, I, I wanted to have the freedom to publish a book every once a year, once every two years, or as in the case with my last few, once every three years. So um, I noticed one of your announcements that you, you're you working on a nine-episode series of Apple TV for Dark Matter. That's right. Um, you know, at the same point in time that I sold uh, Dark Matter to Crown, those, that, those 140 pages leaked out to Hollywood, and a lot of people got interested in them. Um, and at the time, I thought it was a movie. It just, I mean, I, I hadn't finished the book yet. You know. Well, I thought somewhere I I read that Sony had bid that up or taken the lead they in did. that bidding. They did. They bought it for a film and hired me to write the screenplay. Um, and after I finished writing the book, I turned my attention to the script and I wrote a draft and uh, a decent draft. It wasn't amazing. And then uh, a couple of other really talented screenwriters came in and took a pass at it and none of us could really crack the code on this thing. And I, I thought it was dead. And then a couple of years ago, um, one of my producers was able to move the project from, you know, and, you know, Sony features were incredibly gracious and let us take the project over to Sony television. And those guys had always been really excited about this as a, as a TV show. And, and we just hadn't, you know, we just didn't see it couldn't see it beyond being a movie and it just took writing trying to write those drafts as a film to realize no this is it needs space to breathe um so yeah sold it to apple uh in 2020 and have, i've been you know through covid have been kind of quietly working away on all the uh, on all the scripts for the show so you are writing the scripts yourself yeah i wrote the first four episodes have a, have a small right had a small writer's room um and yeah we've got about three scripts left to go out of so we've got six out of nine done Wow, will you be directing or producing it yourself? Uh, I, I will. Uh, I will not be direct. I'm not a. I'm not a director. Um, I'm show running it. Uh, a guy named Louis Leterrier, wonderful director, great human, is uh, directing the show. And uh, Joel Edgerton is starring. Yeah, I saw that. That's really exciting. Uh, yeah, in fact, we're starting. Uh, yeah, uh, we're going to film on location in Chicago, and uh, it's going to start later this summer. Wow, when, uh, when did they see it coming to TV? Oh, I don't know. I mean, that it's not. It doesn't have a release date yet, and that that won't happen until we're you know well into production, or maybe after. <clears throat> so let's move for a moment to regression, uh, recursion. I'm sorry. Um, how how tell us about that book? Um, I after Dark Matter, I I tried to write another book that was tentatively called the lost coast and i wanted to write this thing about a ai that sort of finds consciousness and or not an ai more of a an npc a non-player character in a in a video game and i wrote a couple hundred pages on it but could never really find my way into the story and i set it aside and i was like i need to come up with something here because you know it's been a, month, a year since dark matter came out and i uh I had thought, you know, I had time, something with memory, something to do with memory was, was forefront in my mind. And especially the, wanting to do something in the sphere of time travel. But 
I, I didn't I didn't want to do it in any way I'd seen it before, and it took me a little while. But then I I started thinking, what if? Um, and I called it the Reverse Marty McFly, the guy from Back to the Future. I thought, what if I just what if we played with the repercussions of time travel that I haven't ever seen anyone really explore, which is like, what if instead of a character, you know, fixing a timeline, like, you know, in the end of Back to the Future, Marty McFly returns to 1985. He's, his parents' marriage is better. And, you know, Biff is, uh, you know, kind of this subservient dude who just hangs around the house and helps them out with yard work and things. But they don't have any memory of that old shittier life i thought what if what if there's a way to do a time travel story where people remembered these other timelines and these timelines were constantly changing and um oh it it was uh a lot of fun but also a brutally difficult book just because i kept taking myself into these sort of blind alleys and having to kind of fight my way out out with of the narrative how did you unravel the science well, the, you know, for me, the science was always about memory. I was very taken with the idea of how our brains access memories and the distance between how we observe what we think of as the present and how that's, that's actually still a memory itself. Uh, do you think that time travel will exist someday? Hmm. Um, yes, I do. I do think it will, but not in the way that we conceive of it. I think that we will just, I, I think the more, you know, time is one of those things that, it, uh, like we all know what it is, but if you try to explain it, you can't, it, it's, it's sort of elusive. It's slippery. Um, you know, the notion that time sometimes appears to move faster like you know you're having a great time time moves faster when you're bored wasn't time it, wasn't cre- it, creeps by wasn't it einstein that said that uh, linear time is prevent us everything from happening all at the same time or something that's right to that effect that's right and and also he said everything is happening all at once that that the actual time's arrow which is entropy is just an illusion it's a it's sort of how our brains are programmed to deal with a concept as cerebral as time. Like, I mean, it interests me, like what if, you know, what if things actually don't happen linearly? We just think that they do. There are some inherent dangers in that whole discussion see, that you address, that you addressed in the book that, that uh, repeating time repeating or events repeating themselves with just a little mm-hmm. twist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, like time is the one thing that we're sort of held captive by, we and, and we really can't see out of it. I mean, the way our brain processes the present is, I mean, we, you know, we don't. One of the things that really opened the book up for me was when I started looking at, like, we all all think of memory as, uh, you know, looking back years or months or weeks or decades. But you, but we actually are experiencing this conversation right now as a memory because it takes milliseconds for our brains to process all the stimuli that are incoming and it and it actually kind of it receives like light of course first and then sound and then other sensory but it waits and sort of packages them all together so we get a consistent you know linked up synced up audiovisual feed 
Uh, which without, would, yeah. With, yeah, without any spoilers on uh, the book, I hope everybody reads it, but um, tell me how you came up with the idea of how he went back, you know, the, uh, the whole situation of uh, re-engaging, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. Oh, do you mean at the very, very end? No, well, no, each time. Oh, I back. see. Oh, I see. I see. Um, uh, I'm having to, I'm having to take myself back into those uh, brainstorming moments. Well, I they're NDEs. I, yeah. I, I, you know, I think what I was going for was the idea that, um, yeah, I mean, the near-death experience, you know, has always fascinated me. These moments when people think they see, you know, they're on the operating table and they've may have died for a minute and they see the tunnel and the light at the end and all that. That always fascinated me. And it, and it struck me that that could be a sort of almost portal to not just re-experiencing a memory, but returning to it, returning your consciousness to that point in time and living from that moment forward, especially if, you know, the idea of time zero is really an illusion and a, and a sort of a, a remnant of our, reptilian brains uh you know in, in the way that we process our world um it struck me as, as if if not i mean it's definitely speculative it's it's i'm not saying it's something that we will do in our lifetime but it struck me as a interesting way of tackling the the time travel trope i had the privilege recently of reading upgrade um I was totally blown away. I mean, oh, thank the, you. the the science in that book. Uh, tell us about some of that science. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I, I really I, I thought about right, tackling upgrade after dark matter. Um, I was really, you know, I, I wanted to write a gene editing thriller. I didn't really know what that meant, but I, I wanted to. <laughs> I wanted to write something in that sphere because I. I, I, I where time travel and quantum mechanics is highly speculative and, you know, we can have fun conversations about it. You know, like no one's really doing it right now. Gene editing is happening now in our world. It's probably the most uh, urgent and pressing scientific breakthrough of our lifetime or maybe in, or maybe in history. But I got really intimidated by the science as I started to look at it and I put it aside and thought, I'll just, do something easy like time travel. <laughs> um, but after I finished recursion and, uh, and, if, and after recursion, I did this other, that book I told you about the lost coast, which I thought was going to be the follow-up to dark matter and which I sort of stalled out on. I found a way to do it as a novella. And so I'd gotten that out of my system and I thought, you know, why don't you, if you don't do this now, you're never going to do it. And, and maybe it's a good thing to be a little bit afraid of this. So gene editing is obviously, uh, it's the most grounded uh, book I've written probably since like my old, old, like desert places, locked doors days. Um, it, it is set in the near future, but the, the technology is, is it's just an extrapolation and an escalation of where we are right now. Um, I found an amazing subject matter expert named Michael Wiles, uh, who worked at this uh, at Jackson Laboratory up in uh, Bar Harbor, Maine, and Michael read multiple drafts of the book as I was writing it. They basically redlined it, helped me understand the pieces of science where my uh, 
ignorance was was messing up the story and I really would not have been able to write this book without Michael because it, it you can't really fake your way through DNA and genetics it's it's it, it's it's real science and it's to be taken very seriously um, and I thought so well, did, I mean, yeah did he find his way into the book he's not Logan Ramsey is he said oh no 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 no, no. <laughs> um but yeah it was uh again each you know each book is seems to be harder than the last and and upgrade was was no exception because I, I what I, I wanted to do something that was from a story perspective a little more straightforward and and I almost thought of I almost think of the Logan character as a shares a little DNA with uh, Jack Reacher, um, characters like that. I mean, because there is that sort of loner quality to him, at least after what happens to him in the book without giving away any spoilers. Um, but I wanted to have that. I, I thought the science was so heady. I wanted the story to be a little more streamlined um, because I thought a, a story where you're just like con constantly twisting reality into a pretzel, plus you're asking the audience to digest some really heady scientific concepts was going to be kind of a hat on a hat, you know? So Amblin's interested. Yes. I sold the book to Amblin a couple of months ago and uh, I'm going to adapt this as a, uh, as a feature. And I do believe this is a feature. I, you know, I, dark matter hadn't been finished when I sold it and uh, upgrade was finished. I had a couple of months to sit with it and, and decide, Hey, did I want to, be involved in the adaptation and be what what was it was this a television show was this an event series was this a movie and it struck me as absolutely this is a movie that's a big deal yeah so what's up next uh what's up next uh it's gonna be dark matter it's gonna be my life for the next year um because i'm I have to move to chicago for the filming and i'm gonna be there through the uh, first part of next year um working on this upgrade adaptation for Amblin um, and uh, journaling and starting to try to find my way into, into my next book. The most important thing. Well, you know, it's, it's been a great ride. Um, I've loved everything you've written and uh, I recommend them to everybody. I, you know, I get all of these people who uh, want me to tell them what to read, where they should start out. And I, I always, uh, throw a copy of Dark Places to play at them. <laughs> Say, Here, here's a good place to start. <laughs> well, I appreciate all your support. I mean, you guys were some of the first uh, booksellers to actually take me seriously. I mean, going way back to Desert Places, um, my, my very first book. I mean, God, that's going to be in 2022. Yeah, we're yeah, coming up on the 20-year anniversary of, of, of that publication. Um I remember, yeah, I remember signing all those. I think you guys bought like a bought a big raft <laughs> of those books, and I remember signing those. And I think, yeah, Russell Ill turned you on, and um, it may be David Morrell as well. But uh, yeah, I really, really, really appreciate that. I think you later killed Ilg, uh, either in abandon or unceremoniously <laughs> in abandon. <laughs> well, it's been great talking with you, Blake, and uh, I oh, want to. John, it's so good. It's so good to catch up after uh, after all this time. And I'd like to tell every, all of our listeners that uh, we'll have uh, signed copies of Upgrade, and and if you check us out, we've got most of his stuff currently in stock. And 
I highly recommend them all. Blake, it's been great. Oh, well, thank you so much. I'll tell you one other thing uh, before you let me go. Uh, Wayward Pines um, and Abandon are going to be uh, reissued by Penguin Random House later this year um, in uh, in trade in trade paperback. Uh, I think the Wayward Pines trilogy is coming back. It's gone for a minute because we're repackaging it, but it's going to come out in October, and Abandon should be out in the first quarter of uh, 2023. Oh, since you mentioned that, I, I heard some rumor that you haven't completely – laid wayward pines away that uh, maybe there's a next one in there somewhere uh, you know never say never um i tell you it would have to be an amazing amazing idea to to get me to go back to that town and visit those characters uh, well i think at the last count there's like 200 uh fan fiction written after that <laughs> you've got a big following it's uh yeah i mean it would be uh it'd be a big thing to live up to and i really love the way that i that I left that trilogy. Um, so, uh, you know, it'd be, it, it would, it would take something really special, uh, for me to go back, but I'm not saying never, never say no. <laughs> All right, my friend, take care now. All right. Thank you. Make sure to check out the links in the description to learn more about Blake Crouch and his new book upgrade. You can grab signed copies of his new book in the description below. Also, Make sure to subscribe to this podcast on anchor.fm and on any platform that you may listen to it. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.